Welcome to Our Story, the podcast. Every month, Pastor Mark from Harmony Toluca Lake sits down with a guest to discuss their journey of faith from an inclusive, affirming point of view. These personal stories are part of a colorful tapestry of individual life experiences that transcend the boundaries of church by connecting us all together, collectively, through faith, hope, and love. This is Our Story. Hey everyone, Pastor Mark here with the Affirming Faith Community of Harmony Toluca Lake, which is the second campus of Hollywood United Methodist Church. And this is a holiday episode of Our Story, a conversation with featured guest, James Lucas. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Oh, awesome as always. Good. So yes, oh my, can you believe the holidays? It's already here. Thank God. Right? Thank God the holidays are here. <laughs> Thanksgiving's already happened. We're yeah. heading toward Christmas. I know this is your favorite time of the year. It is. I mean, just start. you start at Halloween, and it's just good vibes until you get to New Year's. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll talk a little bit more about the holiday season here in a sec. Mm-hmm. So, but, all right, let's, let's start off with an easy question. You sure. want an easy question? Of course. Sure. Okay. So, um, you got dinner. You have dinner. And you can invite any biblical character mm-hmm. to dinner. Mm-hmm. Who would that character be? Well, this is an easy one. We've talked about this before. I really love, well, of course, everyone says Jesus. So I'm going to skip that one because obvious. Um, so second choice would be Esther. I'm a big fan of Esther. I talked about Esther a couple of times here at Harmony. Um, but I think that Esther is someone in the Bible who exemplifies a lot of humility and courage. And as Christians, a lot of people are very bold and um, uh, have some very loud opinions. And on the flip side of the coin, we see a lot of people who are kind of just quiet and don't want to stir the pot. Um, but I think Esther is a great example of someone who does both and is a mix of those two things. And that's who Jesus was, a mix of those two, um, the, the humble servant of people, but also bold and flipping tables in the temple. So I love Esther. I think Esther could probably toss a few tables too. Mm-hmm. And, and she hosted dinner parties in the Bible. So mm-hmm. like she, she'd probably bring a great casserole or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so um, going back in time, let's uh, think about uh, first memories, first memory of uh, God. First memory of God. Yeah, what what was your first memory of God? Um, hmm. Well, the first story of God that I remember hearing was one of those little cardboard flip books. Um, It was Noah's Ark. And so hearing about God's love for Noah and the animals, and that was great. Um, so that was my first story. My first experience with God, though, hmm, you know, it's really interesting. I've always said, like, I don't remember a time when I didn't believe in God, which is a blessing in my life. Um, of course, my understanding of God has changed <laughs> a which, lot. Which we'll get into, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, but I've always known that God is there I, as far as I can remember, which is, um, you know, kind of a fundamental part of who I am. I think the first like major God experience may be thinking about, oh my gosh, like this beautiful creation God has made and a kind of uh, feeling the magnitude of God is I was um, maybe like 
eight years old, I want to say. Could have been a little younger. Um, but I went to an area in the Shawnee National Forest called Garden of the Gods. Um, and my parents, of course, growing up were always very clear. There's only one God, you know, every time we went. But um, I remember just looking out and you're kind of in these hills looking at these natural um, rock formations that a glacier made thousands, millions of years ago. and Not um, 6,000? Oh, well... <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I, no comment, but, but um, uh, it was fall and the Shawnee National Forest, the Garden of the Gods is on a hill, but it's in Illinois, which is very flat in general. So you just look out and it's miles and miles of like red and orange and yellow trees. And kind of that was my first memory of understanding God's creativity and the magnitude of what God had created. Mm. Mm. So... Uh, as a caveat, I would want to make sure to introduce Jace uh, from a title standpoint as Director of Families and Connections here at Harmony Toluca Lake, which is a blessing. Um, so back into the question. So mm. we're talking about memories. So uh, God, and then you have the experience of God. Who was sort of the, the first person mm. you can remember that gave you sort of that God experience mm. or feeling of God? Yeah, I mean, I was born into a family of believers. And um, I, I like to think people who kind of shook up their faith as they grew and uh, grew in their faith. But, you know, both my parents um, were fundamental in forming my faith. But I think my grandparents were also really uh, foundational in in helping me to understand who God is. Um, my grandfather was an interesting character. He was a Baptist minister who went from suit and tie every Sunday, making sure we were wearing the right clothes, proper hair, like making sure everything's perfect, closing the drapes um, anytime they would dance in the house because he didn't want anyone to know. Like I always say the footloose pastor. And then by the end of his life, you know, he was preaching in holy jeans and sandals and t-shirts and feeding people popcorn at church, you know, just such an interesting person. So, and he was married to my grandmother who was, um, just like a great uh, example of loving others and giving to others. Um, she was always taking care of other people's children, inviting people into meals. And um, they were just great examples of what it meant to kind of love God as servants who also love others. Oh, sounds like your granddad was sort of like a hippie preacher. Um, at the end, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think those last few years of his life, he was... Uh, quite the character. He wanted to be cool and young, and I didn't have the heart to tell him you're like 10 years late to the ripped jeans um, trend, but he was trying. He was trying. <laughs> uh, how did the church ex- how'd the church go with that? Well, I mean, that was the church he was at then. That was kind of what they were founded on. Um, he had come out of a uh, congregation that was very traditional and legalistic and you know wanted everyone to wear the right things do the right things they were big on uh casting the first stone they liked Mm -hmm. to do that um and so uh anyone I remember just growing up hearing about situations where so-and-so got pregnant out of wedlock and can't be at that church anymore so-and-so didn't wear the right thing to church on Sunday so they had to sit in the back and those types of stories and so um, he had come out of that congregation into um, a group of people who had left that church and were looking to start a church uh, that was focused on love God, love people. It's always the big saying that I heard. And so it was really cool to see 
people from that faith community turn into people who openly advertised like, you're an alcoholic, this is the church for you. You're covered in tattoos, this is the church for you. You're gay, like come worship with us. It was a place where, um, you know, they wanted to embrace God's creation and they weren't as worried about following the rules as they were following God's greatest commands to love God and love others. And I love the smell of popcorn. Oh, yes. Oh, that was a good one. Popcorn and coffee. A weird combination. Oh, <laughs> the coffee smell, too. That's great in a sanctuary. Oh, of course. I mean, we know that here at Harmony, don't we? <laughs> so you, you just did like a head dive right on into youth ministry. Yeah. And in fact, uh, you became involved with the youth. What was it, right around... 13, 12? Mm, yeah, I was working with children's um, basically from the time that I was in middle school. Um, and then I uh, got to lead a children's ministry when I was about 16, mm. um, which is, no. I always say, like, no pressure, just, you know, teach these children about God, good, good luck, with no supervision. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's such a blessing for me. And, you know, you always hear teachers say, like, you learn more teaching than being taught. Um, and so, like, a math teacher is usually better at math, and they learn more about math teaching it um, than than they might have when they were a math student. And so I think the same is true with our faith. Like, you know, when you get to teach and uh, kind of lead out and live by example, you learn so much more about God than just like sitting in a church and listening to a sermon. Not that that's bad, <laughs> I say to the pastor. No, no, but I mean, you grow, of course we grow in faith in those situations too. But um, yeah, I think when you have that chance to lead out and uh, take the faith, make it your own and then share that with others, that's when I've, grown the closest to God in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And so you shifted from, uh, where where were you at this point? Well, I was in a ba- Southern Baptist church, a right. Baptist church. Right, yes. Southern Baptist church. And then you moved. Uh, you went to college. Mm, yeah. Right, yeah, Biola. Mm-hmm. Yep, here in, a, well, kind of in Los Angeles. Los Angeles County. Right. Los Angeles, Los Angeles adjacent. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and you had... Th- uh, thought about going into ministry, but you actually went to Biola to, uh, for elementary education. Yeah, because, you know, uh, what what am I going to do as my backup plan with a children's ministry degree, right? So I went to Biola University, for the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. That's what Biola stands for. And so I was studying elementary education and theology. And I was like, I can take these and I can go into ministry full time. Right. And you did go into ministry uh, yeah. while, mm-hmm. while you were at Biola and, yep. and after yeah, for the most of the time that I was at Biola, I was a next generation pastor in a Baptist church. So focused on um, birth through college. That was kind of my area of expertise. It was really interesting because I was that age. Um, but it was a great, again, a great experience to learn about God. I feel like I really got to um, focus on some of Paul's writings to Timothy during that time about not letting people look down on you while you're young. Um, And it was a good experience, but it was also something where I was in a faith community, a Southern Baptist faith community that had a lot of rules. um, And I had to, one, pretend that I agreed with all of those rules, um, but also share those rules with other individuals. And that's hard because, Mm -hmm. you know, I just said, like, when you're 
teaching someone something, that's when you learn the most about it. And so trying to tell people like, you can't do this, you can't do this. These rules that are kind of made up, like the Baptists believe some things that aren't necessarily even in the Bible, which like, don't get me wrong. I think they do a lot of good work, but um, it was a situation where there were some things that I was told I needed to teach and I couldn't find any reason to believe that that's what God wanted me to say to a teenager or something like that. And so it was tricky, um, but it was, again, I got to grow with God and um, that's what mattered. I can see where Esther is probably one of your most inspirational figures in your Mm. life. Mm -hmm. It's like Esther, it's like you want to mirror Esther and and Mm. it sort of dawned on me now as to this because there's a boldness and there's a humility. Mm. I believe in both of those with you. Uh, And I take that going back. So when you were a teenager, you came to a realization and so, um, and that realization in church suddenly caused a problem. Sure, yeah. So when I was, I don't know, I, I was about 13 years old, I guess, I started to realize that my sexual identity um, was something that I needed to take ownership of um, and realized that I was gay and it was something that I kept kind of under wraps for several years, um, kind of at the encouragement and urging of some of my loved ones who uh, knew that we lived in the southern part of the Midwest, who knew that, you know, we were part of a Baptist faith community and also just in general, like we weren't in a time or place where uh, being gay was something that was looked well upon in general, but especially in the church where it was, you know, believed that that means that you are an abomination to God and uh, you don't belong here. And so, yeah, I, I came to that uh, realization at the very end of high school. I was 18 when I publicly to everyone came out um, and it, it did create some conflict in my church life. Um, I was kind of asked not to leave the church, but not... I was asked to not uh, volunteer, not have a leadership role. You know, I was on the church council and running children's ministries and things like that. I was asked to step away from that um, and was asked not to work with children um, because, you know, gay people can't be trusted. That was what I was told. And so that was really hard for me to reconcile with my relationship with God because my whole life, the church had been where I had come to know God and learn about God's relationship with me. And so then being told, well, now you just don't even get to be at church. It was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought I had this creator that I had a relationship with, but in the place where I'm supposed to be learning about and communicating with God, now I'm kind of ostracized and it it was hard. And to further complicate it, that was your dad's church. Yes. So my dad is also a Southern Baptist minister. We might have buried the lead there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So yeah, so it created some family conflict too. And, you know, my parents are great people. Um, I love them both. They've met my partner. Um, They've both had changes of heart in the past, you know, several years and, um, they certainly prioritize love over, you know, rules now. But in that time, it was a challenge for us to uh, reconcile as a family. Yes. 
But then there's your grandmother. But then there is my grandmother who was married to my grandfather, who I talked about earlier. Yes, Mr. Hippie Preacher. Yes, but <laughs> in my early childhood, not. Mr. Right, Hippie. right. In my yes, early childhood, yes. Mr. You're at church, you know, eight days a week, wearing your tie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I always go back to the example when I'm trying to explain just how conservative early life was with my grandfather. Because we lived with my grandparents um, while my dad was in seminary. <laughs> um, and so I always try to go back to like, my uncle was in college and had to take a dance class just because he was like studying communications and theater and, you know, he had to take dance. And it was so frowned upon in the Baptist church that in order for him to, you know, take this required course for his education, my grandparents would close the drapes um, so that no one in the community could see him practicing for his school dance class. And so that's how conservative things were growing up. Um, but as you mentioned, towards the end of his life, Mr. Hippie Grandfather, um, and my grandparents were all about loving other people, um, and they were all along. I, I genuinely believe that kind of earlier in their lives, they were just trying to be effective ministers for God in the community that they were in, and that's what that community needed at that time. Um, but, you know, as the world progresses, people have different needs, and so um, my grandfather passed away the year before I came out, um, but I did have to come out to my grandmother and, um, I was so scared because I knew that this was someone who loved deeply, who welcomed anyone into her home. We had had gay people from the community, from, uh, her church, just family, friends in her home. Like I knew that she was loving and accepting and I was still so scared to tell her, um, but it turns out she was the person I probably needed to be the least afraid to tell. She's um, kind of always been the biggest supporter of me um, acknowledging who I am and really living into who God created me to be. And so that was something that I had to really, uh, I got to wrestle with in that time was, you know, I, I was struggling with my family, I was struggling with my relationship with God, but my grandmother, who, as I mentioned earlier, was one of my first uh, introductions to Christ, was just reminding me how much I was loved. And it really helped me during some of those transitional years after the separation with that first church and before I was able to reconcile my own feelings and beliefs about my sexuality, you know, my grandmother was one of the people that really helped me to get through that without just feeling like God had completely cut me off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And praise God for your grandmother. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> mm -hmm. So going back uh, to Biola, you went to Biola, you came to a realization, mm -hmm. uh, Elementary education, not necessarily the thing you wanted to do. Okay. Well, I loved the education part. It's just that that was a five-year program. Oh. Yes. Yeah. And who <laughs> wants to pay student loans for five years? <laughs> I mean, I also came to realize I just wasn't a fan of college. Um, and so, yeah, I... Uh, looked for other options outside of elementary education. And um, I had some experience doing marketing that I had just fallen into um, the last year that I was in Illinois before I moved to California. Um, a family friend had asked me to do marketing for um, her family business. They had like a home health company that they were running and um, the 
the qualifications were basically, do you know what Facebook is? And, <laughs> and I did <laughs> because I was 18. And so I had done marketing. And so I was trying to figure out what else can I study to get me out of here faster. And um, I had some credits that I brought with me into college from things I had done before college, and I realized that if I switched my major to public relations, I could get done in three years. Now, that's a big difference from five. And so it was my first semester of my freshman year of college that I switched to public relations because um, I knew I loved, you know, the marketing industry. And, um, you know, ever since then, that's what I've been doing. And you were actually hired with a public relations agency mm, yeah. while you were at college. Yeah, it was really interesting because I always thought I would do like medical PR, kind of like crisis communications, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, in college, there was just like a weird situation where like a class got canceled last minute before the semester started. I had to take something to fill its place and an internship class was kind of all that was open. But, you know, the week before school starts, how many places are hiring new interns? And so I just took a random um, internship at a fashion PR agency that one of my friends had been with. And then I found out I really loved that. Um, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, like I've always believe that God is very creative and fashion kind of has a very creative aspect to it. And so I uh, was able to do that for, I did a full year of an unpaid internship. And then uh, at my last semester of college, um, I took a job with that agency. And, you know, just God has really put a lot of um, different steps in my path in this industry since then. And I, I definitely believe it's something that God worked out, you know, from the random job that my family friend offered me <laughs> when I was 18 to making sure that that job was there for me at the end of college, that I didn't leave California after I graduated. Um, yeah, I think God has worked all of that out for right. me. Yeah. And so you uh, had all that going on mm -hmm. while you were involved with uh, yet another church yeah. uh, as a youth pastor. Yeah. Um, and again, I see that uh, analogy with Esther because mm. there had to be a boldness and a humility because then you left that uh, church yes. yeah. to then just move on wherever mm -hmm. you were going to go. I'm sure. not sure, quite sure where you thought you might land. Yeah, no, uh, I don't think I knew where I was going to right. land. Uh, so you began a search mm. um, and you ended up... I mean, I ended up at the Hollywood campus of Hollywood United Methodist Church. Um, I lived just down the street from there. And so I saw this big pride flag outside, and I was like, maybe I'll give that a try. Um, and then on my first visit, um, I found out there was a second campus. I decided I was going to visit that, which is Harmony. And so that's how I ended up in the doors here on my first visit. And um, it was actually quite an interesting experience because I um, had a coworker who greeted me at the front door when I walked into Harmony for the first time. And I won't say her name because I don't know. And a co-worker in PR. In PR in a very secular industry. I had no idea she was a Christian. Um, but there she was. And she was like, what are you doing here? And I, I was like, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, church shopping, <laughs> looking for a new church. And um, she was like, oh, well, I'm so glad you're here. Like, it was, it's my last Sunday. And it was her last week in Los Angeles and at Harmony before she moved to Texas. And so it was just another thing that God had really worked out for our past, just to briefly cross here, kind of, it gave me that reassurance that this is a 
good place to be and that I could trust the people at Harmony because I was going through so much of my own life coming to terms with my sexuality, having left um, a rather difficult situation in a Baptist church, just graduated college, was living in Los Angeles by myself, and I was very vulnerable. And so it was just that reassurance that I needed that I was in a safe place. Right. Yeah. And I think she said something along the lines of, oh, this is the kind of church you need. Or she said, yeah, she said, this is different. This uh, is different. <laughs> than, uh, it is. <laughs> and it has been, hasn't it? Yeah. But again, it's so good that she was there to kind of reassure me because I think if you walk into, if you're used to a traditional church setting and you walk into Harmony for the first time, there's a lot to take in and understand what's going on. So, um, yeah, it was it was great to just have her there to be that reassurance. Yes, I uh, enjoyed her so much and uh, helped her whenever she moved to Austin to mm. be able to make a connection for her yeah. with a reconciling congregation in the Austin area. Yeah. And, and that's just what we do. Yeah, absolutely. So it's uh, mm. fun. I, uh, gosh, thinking about that journey that you've gone through and you've, uh, and again, this thing of, of boldness and humility, your understanding of God as a child up through now, how has that shifted for you? Mm. How do you view God? You know, I think the biggest thing for me has been taking God out of the box that I put God in because I've always known that God is, you know, bigger than life and something I can't understand, but growing up, I thought I understood the rules. You know, we were taught the ABCs of becoming a Christian. We were taught that everything in the Bible is 100% uh, factual and that it was interpreted perfectly and must be trusted. And there were just so many kind of like limits placed on things of these are the facts. Not that anyone was trying to downgrade God or anything intentional like that, but it was definitely presented as these are some of the lines that God fits in, right? And so I think the deprogramming almost that I've had to do in my understanding of God and my relationship with God is understanding that God is bigger than I could even possibly not understand not understanding, right? And understanding that there are probably very few statements, if any, about God that are just 100% like rock hard truth. Besides the basics, God is love. God is good. Of course, those are true. But, you know, some of those things I was taught growing up, like, uh, you know, you have to be a Christian to have a relationship with God. Um, you have to uh, be baptized by immersion, not sprinkling, like those kinds of things. And it's like, I think God is bigger than caring about some of these exact specifics. You know, I do believe there's an importance in having a relationship with God. And I do believe that God wants us to show our commitment for God. Um, but I it just seems like the more you get to the heart of who God is, the more you study the scriptures and the more that you commune with God, you start to realize that God doesn't fit in a box. And even the little things, like in this conversation we're having now, five years ago, I would have said he about eight times in this conversation, but understanding that God is bigger than gender and I don't need to put God in that box is one of the, you know, basic like little things that helps to build a fuller understanding of God. And you've been here at Harmony for almost 
Five years. Yeah, it's been over four years now. Yeah, almost five. Yeah. Um, yeah. First, the first two, I kind of sat in the back and tried to hide and just, you know, wanted to get a feel of what all of this was. And then the pandemic happened. And during that, uh, yeah. yeah, that was... Um, Fun. Mm, we Not so much. We love Zoom church. We <laughs> love Zoom church. Zoom church. I mean, the first time that I forgot my camera was on and sipped a glass of wine while we were doing Zoom church. <laughs> was great Um, but um yes uh did that did zoom church and did the pandemic and during the pandemic god really started to pull on my heart to do more again um you know the pandemic for everyone was very isolating but i think one of the things we don't think about in that experience is that if you're alone what are you doing in the world to serve god and not to say that there's not things we were doing or that we could do you know we were all still trying to give money to causes and go out when we could and pass out food when we could, but it was hard, especially if you had a COVID scare or an immune uh, compromise, a compromised immune system. You know, it wasn't always easy to go out and serve, but at the end of the pandemic, I really felt God saying, you know, you need to get back into this and do what you were created to do. And so that's when you and I chatted about um, me looking for ways to serve in a larger capacity to give more of my time to ministry. And uh, it's just kind of taken off since then, hasn't it? Which was, it it was, uh, I'd say it was fun, but it was also just sort of a kismet moment Mm. because you were seeking some type of ministry Mm. opportunity and work. Mm -hmm. At the same time, I had a vision Mm -hmm. for Harmony and it Mm -hmm. was like, it all just came together, it did. Uh, which created Harmony Kids. Yeah, yeah. And isn't it interesting that all of this kind of happened over the pandemic when at Harmony, the number of children in our faith community grew by like 800%. <laughs> it went from zero? <laughs> exactly. It was one. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, like God places us in the positions we need to be in when we need to be there. And I don't understand most of my journey since, really since I came out of the closet. Like, I don't understand most of my journey since then, but if anything was different, I don't know if I would be here doing this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I really believe that God puts us in these unique opportunities and we just have to trust. And then when we look back, sometimes God gives us that glimpse. And when we look back, Sometimes God just gives us that glimpse of here is what I had in store. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of reflection because you do see those moments where something you didn't understand back then mm-hmm. was actually a step that led to this next step that right. you, you suddenly go, oh, so that's why that happened. Right. Uh, which is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So have you ever experienced doubts Doubts? Never. Well, there we go. Okay, next question. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. You know, I've doubted myself. I've doubted the people around me. I've doubted God. Um, Doubt is natural. Really? I know. We're all shocked. Everyone listening is in their car like, I've never doubted. Maybe something's wrong with me. So you can be a Christian and doubt? You can be a Christian and you can doubt. But, you know, Jesus... Maybe this is a bold statement. (laughs) Jesus had 
doubts and concerns, right? We know that the night before um, Jesus was crucified, he had some concerns. And I know that he trusted God's plan the whole time, but you can imagine where Jesus probably was like, maybe if this happened instead, or maybe I can do this instead of this. And you had to know that some of those thoughts crossed his mind. Um, I mean, the Bible says that he expressed some real emotions of fear and concern there. Um, And if Jesus can have these doubts and concerns, I think it's natural for us as followers of Jesus to have them too. And it's what we do with those doubts that Mm. uh, shows our um, ability to place our trust in God. And so, you know, in my life, there's a lot of doubts about my calling, what I do with my time, uh, how far I live from my family, money, um, you know, making sure that I am following God's plan. But at the end of the day, if I am listening for what God has to say to me and I am trusting those gut feelings that God gives to me, I really believe that in the end, God works it all out. God always does. Doesn't God? We just have to have faith and hope. Trust. Trust. Pixie dust. <laughs> yeah, the little, the little God pixie dust. <laughs> <laughs> it's that holy water, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> the first time I was explaining to one of my uh, Catholic friends, who I love dearly and is a, you know, a great follower of Jesus, but when I was like, oh, we... You know, we, I was, we were talking about baptism, I think. And I was like, oh, and then I dumped out the water. And they were like, what? And I was like, oh, yeah, like, you're Catholic. We don't use holy water. Like, it's just water. Um, it's, it's not pixie dust. That's it. That's what happened. <laughs> yeah, good times. So as a full-time fashion publicist, mm-hmm. or actually, well, you just started a new agency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not just fashion anymore. And I never wanted it to just be fashion. So now I'm working with, you know, talent and fashion and hospitality and all kinds of fun things. So, but coming from that industry of fashion PR, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of Christians and all of that just celebration and good times. Yes, we have Bible study every day at lunch. And um, obviously we all go to the church Mm. and yeah, it's great. Um, No, so PR is an industry that's really closely tied to the entertainment industry, um, especially because so much of what fashion PR is, is, uh, you know, talking about the clothes that celebrities are wearing or that we're in movies or trends that are coming up, which cultural trends are often created by celebrities in the entertainment industry. Um, And we all know that in entertainment, God is kind of... uh, not always in the forefront. I believe God is there, but I believe people also like to push God into the back. And I understand because in entertainment, a lot of times you have to be creative. You have to be unique to stand out, to be successful. And so often unique and creative people are told by the church or by quote unquote, I'm using air quotes, but no one can see them, quote unquote Christians um, that Because they're different, that's not what God wants them to be. And so you can understand why entertainment is an industry that is um, barely penetrated by the love of God. Um, And so PR is is really similar. So it's been a unique experience to get to be that light in 
this industry um, to have some conversations about um, who God is or even the simplest things like saying, oh, I'm not going to be here next week. I'm visiting my family for Easter and some of my coworkers being like, Easter? Like, you celebrate Easter? And explaining yes. And then people ask, well, what does it even mean? Isn't that Jesus' birthday? And I'm like, yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. Um, You know, those kinds of experiences are ministry. Uh, I thought when I entered my adult life that God was calling me into full-time ministry. And I was disappointed as a gay person that there weren't a lot of faith communities that would welcome me into that. But now I see that God had other ministry prepared for me and other opportunities to share God's love. And that's just as important as, you know, being a worship leader at church or working with the kids at church, preaching, all, all of those things are important and good, but we have to have people in the world who are also willing to share God's love outside of the church. Yes. Yeah. Um, and again, CPR, Esther, mm. bold, mm. humility, mm. identifying, not being afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, had a, you, you had an interesting conversation, I think, in New York uh, Fashion Week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. Right? Yeah, yeah. I had a coworker who had seen on my Instagram that I had preached the week before because you only ask me to preach when I'm busy at work. You pick the busy seasons, that's when I preach. And so she had seen on Instagram that I had shared something about me preaching. And um, she was like, you know, for a preacher, you're not very preachy, are you? And I was, you know, I had to take a second to process that statement. But I was like, I don't want to be the preachy preacher. Like, what kind of a job is that? Just like the person who's like, I don't like you and your lifestyle. Because she was concerned that if she had talked about her life and things she did that maybe weren't traditionally accepted in the church, that I would judge her. And I was Mm. like, why would I want to do that? Like, God isn't over here looking at you and being like, well, you made that one choice one time that was kind of questionable because some monks said that I, I said it was a bad thing, which we can get into it another day. But... You know, God's not out there looking for reasons to judge people. God's out there looking for reasons to have relationships with people. And so uh, that's the same thing I want to do. And so sharing kind of that story and message with her was another reminder for me and an opportunity in my faith to realize that God is present outside of the church building because what we do here and what we do on our social media, (laughs) it all is a part of our lives with God and God is present in all of that outside of this place. Yes. Amen. Amen. So your new PR agency is Mm, called? The Excellence Agency. The Excellence Agency. And you have decided to bring God into the mix. Yes. Yeah. We, um, you know, I am, like I mentioned, big believer that God is present in everything. So this is going to be a PR agency in Los Angeles that tithes, which is a wild concept, giving. Um, Also, one of our core principles is compassion, because I believe that God cares a lot more about people than about business. Um, It's an opportunity to share God's love with clients and coworkers and people who otherwise might not get to hear it because they're not coming to this church on Sunday because for years they were told they weren't welcome here. And so now is our chance to reshape that by showing them God's love at work. Yes. 
as well as like via the podcast. And mm -hmm. you've been a, a huge part, along with Donna, in the creation of a Harmony podcast network. Of course. It's one of my joys because Jesus met the people where they were. The story of Zacchaeus is a great example of that. Jesus went to meet the crowds. There was a short king. I can relate. He's not a literal king. That's a, I have to explain for those of you who are not millennials. There was a short king who uh, couldn't see over the crowd. I can relate. I'm short. And climbed a tree to see Jesus. And Jesus went to the tree and said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. And um, went to Zacchaeus' house. And, you know, Jesus meets the people where they are. And so... We need to do the same thing as Christians, at Harmony, as the global body of believers in my own life. We need to be meeting people where they are. And so when you look at where people are today, people aren't gathering like they used to because of COVID, because of the internet, for many reasons. People don't gather like they used to. And meeting at church is great, and you know it's something that I love to do, but let's look at where else we can meet people. And where we can meet people is on Instagram, on Facebook, and we can meet them on a podcast. Because if you meet someone in a podcast, you're meeting them in their car during their commute. You're meeting them at the gym while they're working out. You're meeting them while they're washing their dishes at home or cleaning their house. You're entering the spaces that they're in in a um, format that they're comfortable with. And I believe that's what Jesus would do if and Jesus also, was walking. Also, also feel safe. And they feel safe, right? They're not as concerned about what the church has told them for years because no church has ever told them don't listen to a podcast right um you always hear the saying like if i walk into a church i might catch fire no one thinks that about a podcast so this might be mm. our first way to say hey let's have you listen to a podcast see if you like it see if you can relate see if anything touches you and then if someone's comfortable with that, well, maybe your next step is watch a live stream worship service. You get to experience it, but you don't have to come in the building yet. But if you don't catch on fire watching the live stream, maybe try coming into the doors of a church. <laughs> I haven't ever thought about catching fire listening to a podcast. Yes, and if you do catch fire listening to the podcast, I will pray for you. Maybe you shouldn't. No, you should still come to church. <laughs> we, have, we have water. Well, Throw some pixie dust on them. Exactly. I mean, I got to dump the baptism water somewhere. <laughs> uh, I look forward to seeing where the network, the podcast network goes, because we were talking also about, oh, maybe we should try some like questions with Mark and just you know, mm -hmm. riffing and mm -hmm. about current topics. And Yeah, because God's present in that too. I mean, everything from the news, which is hard to consume sometimes, to things like the holidays, like God's in all of it. So let's yes. talk about what God's doing in our modern day. Yes. So just a couple other things, and then we'll, we'll wrap up. Um, you and I were able to recently experience mm. something together that yeah. was just, wow. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, we got to see the Grand Canyon. Um, and it kind of goes back to some of my first memories of God. We got to see what God had made. And if anyone hasn't been to the Grand Canyon you have to go to understand it. The pictures don't do it justice. I've been there twice, and I've said both times. This is, 
incomprehensibly different than I thought it would be. It's just so vast and big. And to see that God can do that, God can do that through science. God can do that through history. God has made something so creative and unique. And it is a spiritual experience to look at something like the Grand Canyon and, and see God in it. And just to take the time to not rush. Mm. We're, we're so much in a society that goes, okay, I've got to go here, 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 mm -hmm. and not just flow and yeah. relax. Yeah, because you and I were talking and we were trying to come up with kind of descriptors for the canyon. And some of what we had said was that it's very still, it's kind of untouched. Um, and it is, it's a reminder that there are places that God has designed for us to be still, to be calm, to not be rushing to the next thing. And in those moments of stillness, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. You know, that's an opportunity for us to connect with each other, with God, with the creation that God has made for us and to understand more about, you know, why we're here and what God has to say for us. I found it also fascinating um, just uh, how light the sunlight or mm. how, how it was effective within the crevices mm -hmm. of the canyon. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we were looking at it, it was like, wow, this is 3D times, you know, just squared. Mm -hmm. And it was just crazy, but to see the shadows and how they were hitting certain things. But those sunsets, we were able to experience two different sunsets mm -hmm. yeah. were just magnificent. And yeah. I've never seen light at yeah. the end of a day like that, mm. how it just made it such an impactful moment. And I, just to be around, typically we're wearing crowds. Yes, yeah. Because there were a good number of people. There were crowds, sure. Yeah. But did you hear a lot of chatter mm, no. around us? Yeah, everyone was still, be still and know that I am God. And I know that you expressed while we were there too, you talked about the colors a lot, right? The art, the creativity in it. And I know you're a person of art and who loves art. And I love art, but I'm also a person of fact. Like, I love science. And to see that God works in a place like the Grand Canyon through art and the colors and experience that you saw. But, I, you know, when we're talking about colors, I'm like, well, why is that color red? And there was a tour guide that told us about the rust and how it all affected everything. But it was like, it's such a good example of who God is because you were seeing art. I was seeing science. But God was in both of those things. It was all the same thing. Right. And, and the Grand Canyon was in all of that. And God is in everything that we do. And it was a great mixture of mm. art and science. Exactly. The way it should be. Exactly. <laughs> the way, yes. But again, that goes back to the 6,000 years. Right, yes. Our 6,000 years quote is going off of, uh, there's a certain creationists that only believe that, oh gosh, Noah landed that boat in uh, the Grand Canyon 6,000 years ago. And you're <laughs> like, <Grand> what? <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah, you know, we'll leave that for questions with Mark another time. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So coming toward a, an end on here is, um, Gosh, if anyone is struggling with their sexual identity, mm. uh, their gender identity sure. as a Christian, with Christian faith, mm -hmm. um, I mean, do you have any like guidance or advice for them? Yeah, well, I think above like any guidance or advice, the first thing to know is that you are loved. And there are people who love you, but more importantly, there is a God who loves you. And because God loves you, I love you. And there is a faith community at Harmony that loves you. 
there is a global United Methodist Church who loves you and you are not alone. And that's the first thing I wish someone had said to me when I came out as gay. You are still loved. And yes, there are people who are going to tell you that this is a problem, this is an abomination, whatever. That's not true. <laughs> and you can't take the words of the English Bible. It wasn't written in English? I, it didn't, the King James didn't fall from the sky. God didn't throw that book down at, no, God's gonna throw that book at someone one day because <laughs> they keep quoting it. But um, you can't just trust that the words of the English Bible are exactly what God wanted you to read. Because if you look at history, um, you know, we talked about just a moment ago, I'm a big science person, a big history person. I want facts that back up what I believe. If you look at history, if you look at um, the original writings of the Bible in Greek and Aramaic and Hebrew. <laughs> Thank you, Donna, in the back for help as I blanked on that third one. If you look at those original languages, those words aren't there. You know, the word homosexual doesn't show oh, up no. in the Bible. Not even. The word transgender isn't in the Bible. In fact, there are stories about people in the Bible that modern historians who look at this objectively think we're probably in same-sex relationships. There is a quote from Jesus talking about transgender individuals, and none of it is condemning. It's all about God's love for these people and how they are a part of God's big story. And we do this, Our Story, the podcast, to talk about how each of our stories contributes to God's big story. So I would say if I was talking to someone who's struggling with their gender identity, with their sexual orientation, is that your story is a part of God's story. God made each of us unique. God made you the way that you are. You are not a mistake. You're not confused about who you are. You are loved by a good and gracious God. And please don't let people turn you away from God. On behalf of the church, I am sorry for the things that we have said, for the things that we have done, for things I said in my upbringing before I understood this about God. I am sorry for that. And now, the work of the church, so turning from the people who are struggling with their identity, now turning to the followers of Christ, your job is to make up for the wrongs. Show love, show compassion, bring the people back into the church that you turned away and make sure that they know God's love. Mm -hmm. Amen. So holiday season, as we come to a wrap on this, mm -hmm. holiday season, you love the holidays. Love. yes. How do you see that in the mixture of all things that are, you know, as a, as a Christian? Mm. I mean, because Halloween, I mean, come on. Spooky, evil, Spooky. dark. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, right, you got Thanksgiving. Ah, we're all around the family killing the turkey. Uh, and then, and then, and then you know, you love the Christmas gatherings because you know mm. there's always going to be a disagreement or a fight or an of argument. Course. Yeah, so really? Holidays? Holidays? What? <laughs> Is God in the holidays? Does God want us to do things that make us happy? What? No, I love the holidays. I really like the idea of decorations, um, of kind of the vibe. I'm a big believer in vibes. You know, I talk a lot about feng shui, all that kind of thing. I think there's a lot to say about vibes. But I do believe that holidays are an opportunity for us to experience joy. And that's... Woo! Woo! Yes. <laughs> That's what they're all about, right? I mean, modern Halloween, no matter how it started or what you want to think about it, 
it's about experiencing joy, right? People are going to parties with their friends. Kids are trick-or-treating. There's decorations. People don't decorate for sad days or for evil forces. People decorate for joy. Thanksgiving is about gratitude, about um, experiencing things with other people and um, about the the feeling of joy that we have around the things that we're blessed with. And Christmas, of course, is about the birth of Jesus, but even for people who don't necessarily believe in Jesus or care about Jesus' birth, it's about a feeling of joy and love, compassion, giving. It's all about joy. And I really believe that God is in those things, even if we don't recognize it. Um, You know, God is a God of joy. God is a God of love. God is the God of compassion and of giving and of gratitude and of fun. The Bible is very clear that God has a sense of humor. Oh, yes. You know, it's it's an opportunity for us to experience the good parts of God um, and to kind of live in those happy moments, um, I believe, because God created us to live in those moments of joy. So I love the holidays and I'm really glad that we're kind of in that season now um, that we get to experience everything from the pumpkin spice latte to the family gathering (laughs) to reading the story of Jesus' birth. Amen. Well, it's been a great joy to to be able to spend a little bit of time with you today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And um, again, I can see that that correlation of Esther Hmm. and how important Esther and is just following that within your own life. I hope you sort of look into that and (laughs) reflect on it. Uh, We want to say thank you to uh, the individuals listening to the Our Story Conversation. It is always a pleasure to be able to share these conversations with you and hopefully making an impact and difference for, for you in your faith journey. We welcome you here at Harmony at any point in time. You can uh, join us in person, but also connect with us online and listen to the podcast. But be sure to like, uh, download, subscribe, all those wonderful things that you can do with the podcast. Uh, and on behalf of uh, Jace and Donna, Uh, It is an honor to be able to uh, connect with you and we'll look forward to our next conversation. Uh, But in the meantime, thank you, Jace. Thank you. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Merry Christmas coming up. And I want to also thank Donna for all the work that she does. Uh, It is a blessing. So thanks and peace. Thanks for listening to Our Story, the podcast with your host, Pastor Mark Stevenson. This month's guest was Jace Lucas. And this episode was recorded and mixed by me, Donna Miller, with production support by Jace Lucas. Don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to Our Story, the podcast, so you never miss a new episode. You're listening to the Harmony Podcast Network, sponsored in part by Hollywood United Methodist Church. Find us on Instagram at harmony underscore TLC, and on Facebook at Harmony TL. We'll see you next month for a conversation with Beth Mueller. Until then, as Pastor Mark likes to say, peace.